This is the Warrior Well Solutions Podcast number four. I'm your host, Chris Jackson, along with Mark Ellis. Today, we'll be discussing being passionate about your business and getting into things that uh, in your niche or in your niche that you need to be getting into rather than just trying to do it for the money. So today's podcast, I hope it brings some value. Make sure you like the channel and we'll go ahead and jump into it. Let's talk about the uh, the sales funnel thing part of it first. Is there anything that you saw in there that you think would um, uh, would make that a better chapter? Um, now this is going to be chapter one, correct? Is that what you've got lined up? Close to the first of the book. Okay, I was going to say because I know that we had discussed um, basically, you know, my my the phrase, you know, climb the mountain and basically once you get to the top make sure that's <laughs> you're on their correct mountain before anything right um, so i kind of wanted to throw that in there and kind of get into the the concept of make sure you're doing something when it comes to business um something that you're passionate about and right. just choose the right the right path before you go down the wrong one okay so uh so to encapsulate that well let's just go back to the to your opening salvo, you usually use with people when you're talking about your business. Like you, you gave me like a short two second, two minute, no, maybe a half a minute elevator speech pitch, and it was um, I had it here. You, you already told me this once. It was about what that would it what how would it encapsulate your uh, your business um, uh, you know your business acumen for your uh, for your online business or whatever you're doing. You had like a like a short phrases set of phrases that you were using, and I wrote them down. I can't I can't find the darn things here. I've been looking for them. Yeah, I think I think the one you was uh, referring to was unleash the warrior. Basically, taking the negative aspect of that battlefield mentality um, that we often get ourselves stuck in, and remembering the past and dwelling on that, and then it was kind of. Uh, taking it as the other concept of unleash the warrior to a more positive um, mind setting, you know, reflecting on the more positive aspects of life and unleashing your greatest potential. Okay. So, okay. So that would be good for the very, that would be help with the very introduction of the book. And then you were talking about uh, also about the different types of uh, things that have happened in your life that has contributed to your business mentality. So maybe you want to go into that a little bit. Right. Yeah. Especially with, uh, being a combat veteran back in 2004 and 2005, uh, just that experience alone, you know, the standing with your brothers and sisters to the left and right and constantly serving them and hoping to just help them, even after the service. And then that's led into law enforcement, you know, with my experience and uh, just relationships that I've built within within that brotherhood. It's just a constant, you know, being there for the others okay. within that career. Was, there, also was there ever just, one, one defining moment to that? I mean, was there anything, one particular event that made your mind go in that direction? Uh, you know, I just enjoy helping people. Um, I think the service in total, just helping other <laughs> Uh, you know, other people. Um, and then, you know, there is some times that I reflect on, such as, you know, those who call upon us. Uh, one particular instance when I was on duty, I had a had dispatch call me 
and they had told me that an individual wanted to speak to one of us, and I got called to the scene, or went to the scene, and he was just kind of, not really suicidal, but I mean, you know, whether or not that was his thinking, or maybe his, you know, maybe he was, but I just talked him down and kind of just spoke with him, and then after the fact, uh, it was kind of a, uh, he, he'd called in to dispatch and said, hey, man, I appreciate that officer, whoever it was. He, he basically probably had saved the life today. So I guess he was suicidal. Um, he didn't tell me that, but just the way he was talking, I picked up on some of the clues. And right there and then I realized that, you know, I needed to – that's the route I wanted to take the business. Right. Helping just whoever, you know, the, the depression sets in, and I think that's one of the most common – problems of even in business and life in general is just when we're down we're at our weakest point we don't want to do anything and and i think just trying to battle that that's the first step to to success and that and success i don't mean business i mean just succeeding in life being happy and that's where the term warrior wealth solutions come in comes into play is not the wealth part means being rich in monetary value i just mean being rich in 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 life Right, because you know, you know what gets me about businesses today. Well, not all, all businesses, of course, but but I mean this 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 goes into lots of different facets. Because uh, I was a school teacher for a better part of twenty years, and uh, when you can help somebody out, I'll tell you the best thing I ever said to a parent. This is gonna blow your mind. Uh, the best thing I ever said to a parent is, "There's no homework." They said, right. "What?" I said, "There's no homework. They're getting too much homework. You're not gonna get homework." I said, "They said, well, what are you gonna do?" And I said, "I said they get homework in class." I help right. them with the homework. There's nothing bigger drag than taking, having a kid go home with a pile of homework, and then guess who gets to help the kid when they get stuck? The parents. The parents have been working all day. So my yep. thing was, okay, fine. And actually, it all came to a head. I'll tell you the story behind this. It's a good one. I was standing in class, and I was, uh, it was when I first started teaching, and I was teaching history in this private school. And I put a homework assignment up on the board, and this girl literally uh, – Looked, looked me right dead in the eye and said, she goes, uh, Mr. Ellis, I'm not doing your homework. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, I'm not going to do it. And I said, why? She said, because the teacher across the hallway, I don't want to mention any names, but she goes, the teacher across the hallway, she gives us tons and tons of homework. And she said, she said she'll call up my mom and get me into trouble, but she said, I know you won't because you're new here. And she said, you, you won't. She, since she doesn't know you and you're not going to probably call her, she said, I'd rather not do yours and just sacrifice that. Because they were getting, and I said, I looked around the classroom, I said, is that true? And this girl, hold, this other girl holds up her book bag, and it is just smushed with books. And, it, and she says, look at the seams are splitting. And I know this is true. I knew, I knew, I'd heard things, I've heard a bunch of things at this point. I've been at the school for a while, and I knew this teacher was really piling it on. As a matter of fact, I came in one night at, at late because I forgot something at the school I really needed at home, and I only lived not too far from there. And I went in, and it was like 8 o'clock at night, and she was sitting there. She was still in there making stuff for the kids to do, making up stuff for the next day. I mean, I, I mean, really. And so anyways, so I said, that's it. I slammed my book shut right there on that desk. I said, that's it. I said, this way this game's going to be played. You're doing your homework in class. I said, twice a week, you get a homework assignment. I said, you get, you get 30 minutes of class time to do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you don't do it, and you sit there and play, you know, talk to your friends and twiddle your thumbs or whatever you do, I said, it's an automatic zero. I said, so you better put something up in this basket when you're done. And I'm going to only give you 10 questions to do. I'm going to weed out all the other questions and only give you 10. 
man, that worked like a charm. And those parents just loved it because they knew how much work was getting stacked on the kids. But but saying you're going to help somebody and doing something like that, man, that really means a lot, you know. I think. Oh yeah, I, I you know, and, and that's the just total concept of business is providing solutions for other people. If you've got a service or a product that helps someone and it makes their life easier, there is 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 that's the most meaningful thing in the world, and you're going to find more success with that than trying to be greedy or take your business into a different path that uh, most, not, not most, but some do. You know, I've seen these internet marketers, and just the way they market is more, it, it's just on a false basis. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a scam. It's, you know, not any value, and that's, I mean, that's just motivation right there is just to do the right thing for the right people. Right. So, so in our in the in the first chapter of this book, since we're on the subject of this sort of thing, so we kind of get get an idea of where you're coming from. You're mostly you're mostly driven with a desire to help people out, and you really care about it, you know. And um, so, so when we get into the actual nuts and bolts of developing a business or setting one up, now your this book we're writing now is focused on two areas. It's focused on, f- focused on not just the uh, online, which a lot of people can get a lot of information from. But they can also get a lot of information on how to work their offline business and how the two, how the two worlds kind of interact, the virtual and the real world kind of interact a little bit. When I say virtual, I mean online, of course. But so, so if you're going to build a, what's the very first thing? What tip can you give to somebody who's just starting out? They have, they have an idea what kind of an idea what they want to do, but how? What, what should be like the first thing that they do? I, I would say research but also just reflect on what you truly want to do. I, you know, I, I went, I, I spoke of that earlier, that phrase of climbing the mountain and getting to the top and then realizing, well, you climbed the wrong mountain and then you got to start over. Right. Um, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I should have been doing this 18, 19, actually even old, uh, younger than that. I should have got into business, but at that age, you know, you're, you're really not thinking about money. You're not thinking about business. You're right. not even thinking about helping people. You're you're yeah. just thinking about being a kid. And however, you see a lot of kids these days, a lot of YouTubers, they, I mean, they're doing fantastic, successful at 15 years old and probably raking in more cash than most of us. But then a bunch and, of kids that started YouTube in a garage and then they like sold it to Google for like a billion dollars or something? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I'm trying to think of the channel. I know what you're talking about. Um but yeah, I mean, just that right there, you got to have the mindset of just to want to do something. Yep. Um, and yeah. and when it comes to business, it's it's a greedy world, it's cutthroat. But if you're in the right, uh, as they call it, niche or niche, um, if you pick the right one for you, I think that's the most vital part is getting into business, but making sure it's something you want to either sell or something you want to either offer. Right. Right. Uh. A lot of people, well, you know, I always tell folks too, uh, and also with myself, is, uh, you know, sometimes you won't know what's right right off the bat either. You might have a string of failures. I know uh, the author, Seth Godin, they interviewed him one time, and he said, they said, so have you had any failures? I mean, because it looks like you've had a string of hits. He's written like 30 successful books, and, and he's on every speaking circuit, and he's got a very extremely popular blog, probably one of the most read blogs on the planet. And, and, and they said, have you had any, what, you know, what failures have you had? Because you've had just a string of successes. And he said, too many to count. He said, I couldn't even count them all. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we, anyway. we, we learn from failure or, or mistakes. You know, we, if, if you succeeded right off the bat, um, that 
rarely happens, but you don't learn anything from successes. You learn from failure. Yeah, but it's not even failure in the same business. I mean, he went and started a bunch of different things, I think, and a lot of people do that. Uh, they'll go and they'll start a company. Now, I know uh, Richard Branson, He, I think he, he got Virgin Records, and of course he made that into a success. But, I mean, it seems like some of these folks, they'll, they'll start a business and it just didn't work. And then in Seth Godin's case, he did a... He did those one of those videotapes back when videotapes were being sold like crazy of a, a fireplace on the TV, and he sold that, and that worked out good. And then when he did the aquarium version, it failed horribly, and he lost all the money he made off of the videotape of the fireplace thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so, but but I mean, there's like some of these folks they they'll go out and do like 20 different things, and and they don't work, and then all of a sudden they hit on one that for some reason will work. And so I guess I guess what you could say to people is. Uh, you know, once you once you get started, uh, so if it fails and you try something else, that's not necessarily a bad thing all the time. It might be you're just realigning yourself to something more geared that you can do. No, and, and I mean I've done a lot of things. I when I got out of the service and when I got back from Iraq, um, I jumped into the trucking industry and I started driving for an individual. Um, he had owned, he he still owns those today. He owns his own trucking company, and I started driving with him. And then I went on to another trucking company and I saw, you know, I, I knew that I was getting either, I think it was 20 or 30% and I'd done the math and I was like, well, I should be making what he does. So I invested and got my first truck and, you know, I was young. I didn't take right. in all considerations of external factors. I just seen the money. That's all I saw. Right. And it, it, needless to say, I jumped in too soon, too fast, and tried to move too fast or, or grow too fast. And in the long run, it burned me. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that. I failed at the trucking industry. And that, at the same time, not laying excuses, but one of the factors was rising fuel costs and the the um, the load pays were not as great. So the, the ratio, you know, it just burned you. Um, a lot of owner-operators that couldn't numbers it's it's a numbers game in the trucking industry you see these guys like swift um, Werner, and all the other companies that have thousands of trucks they can operate so cheaply because thousands of trucks operating cheaply still brings in thousands a day right um, me as an a, a, an owner operator and owning one truck you know i got to find the right load worth the pay and then you still have all the expense such as tires wear and tear on the the engine and everything else, and I didn't take that in consideration. But at the same time, I can reflect on that and make wiser decisions to this day and what business to get into and, and kind of look more in depth of what I really want to do. But I can also use that as leverage to speak upon um, explaining my failure. So that's just one instance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all learn, and we, we should gain more value from that. You know, the thing about today is starting business, especially online type of ventures or other types that that are kind of connected to the internet. You don't necessarily have to start big either. I mean, if you lose, if you start something and it doesn't work out, you haven't put like $50,000, $100,000 into it. You know, you don't right. have to do that. You could test the waters and, and uh, start out rather ch cheaply online 
and with this new digital age, there's so many different businesses and companies you could try out before you actually sink a ton of money into a storefront and all these other things. I mean, for example, if you wanted to have a, I'm just using it as an example, but if you wanted to sell, you know, Fabergé eggs or something, and you started a Pinterest account, which is free, you know, you could do it for free now, you know, get oh, an yeah. Amazon account or something. It's all free stuff. You, you could try it out for free. And then if you really were passionate about it and you gained a, a, quite a following, you know, and you thought, well, I wonder if a store would work, you know, and then, of course, you do the research first to see if there was a market for it. Like I say, this is just an example, but it, you could open, then you could open up a star, a storefront related to that, and it doesn't have to be a massive one. You could just get a small one, and then also, so you have your internet part that was already generating some money, then you'd have your storefront for whatever it was going to be that you were selling, and then that way you could test the waters a little bit easier now. So much easier to test it now. You could start so small. And I'm a big believer in starting small. I really am. And just working your way up. I, I, oh. I, just, I, don't, I don't get these guys that go on Shark Tank and they want to get into debt for $5 million right off the bat. But that's just me, you know. And so, for some right. people that works. Yeah, yeah. You have, I mean, there's two types of individuals. Those who um, start out big and, and dream, dream, you know, they try <laughs> They try to start out too big, and then you've got others that's more conservative, and they like to upscale. And I think today's – I wouldn't say today's society should be more conservative. I mean we can go into a whole other area when it comes to that word alone. Right. But being conservative in business, yeah, most definitely. I mean I've, I've spoke to a lot of individuals, and I've had a lot of people ask me if they should put this amount of money all into one thing. And right. you know, I, I – I'm a believer that with today's internet capabilities and technology, you, you can start off what you just spoke of on Pinterest, on Instagram. I mean, there's guys killing it with thousands and thousands of dollars a day that they're making on Instagram, you know, on these newer social media platforms, on, you know, whether it's advertising other people's pictures and posting them up or affiliate marketing I mean that's a big thing now and you don't even have to own anything and it's very small fee to even own a website if you want to use that leverage and promote those products and redirect them to those websites I mean it it relatively small amount of funds if anything needs to be invested and just upscale your business is, is you know one of the concepts that I've learned right right uh, yeah, a big mistake, and I think a common mistake a lot of people make is, like you're, you said earlier, is they don't, you really got to figure out where, what niche you're going to be in, what business. And you, if you, even if you figure out your business, you got to figure out what niche that business is going to be in, you yep. know. There, there's a niche within the business that, that might not be uh, filled, you know. I mean, the vacation business is one, you know, a, a good example of this. You got people who go on vacation. And you got these people who sell packages, but there's also vacation packages geared to the older crowd, you know, or crowds of people that have kids, you know, so they've got all these different, and you could take one aspect of it, like if you were vacate, if you were a person that was like a, what do they call the person that a travel agent, the travel agent. Right. So if you were a travel agent, you could just have a, you could be a travel agent that specializes in just retirees. Which, you know, down in Florida is a massive market probably, you know, oh. and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and you know, and that just reminds me something I want to focus on is when you're in one business, you know, think outside the box a little bit if it comes to wanting to do more or make more into that. You, as you just said, travel agents. And now, if you're 
just a travel agent, you know, I, I've never been in the travel industry, but I'm sure you make most of your money off commissions. Um, and if you're struggling with that, you know, use Instagram, use Pinterest, post pictures of, of the places you either go to or the places you sell or, or, you know, your customers, right. Have them hook you up with pictures, post those pictures online. I know, I know there's plenty of websites like Shuttershock. You go on there, or, or did I say that right? Is it Shuttershock or Shutterstock? I, I mean, um, I don't know. But, but yeah, I mean, Shutterfly, you, you Shutterfly, Shutterfly is yeah. another one. Yeah, I mean, but you you go on those websites and you sell your pictures, and every time they're used, you get a small percentage fee or commission based off just those pictures. So there there's another way to make money. You know, right. I, I think that when it comes to business, don't focus on just one path. Open up the box, or yeah, open up your mindset. You know, think outside the box a little bit. And there's so many different routes you can take the main focus and build from. Right, right, right. Um, so, so the very first thing, the very, very first thing a person should do. So they got to determine where their niche is, and then uh, uh, I was going to say a good tip to learn how to look check out niches because I've done a lot of writing on this particular subject but uh, one of the things that I did and this is just one little tip here but what I did was I, I started doing research on Amazon because I figured if you go on Amazon and you and you've got a niche you know like hamster gerbil I, I had a relative that did gerbil gerbil racing once <laughs> they actually he actually had a gerbil racing business but the thing really? of it is like, you go on amazon you say i wonder if there's a market for this so you go on amazon find out how many books have been written about gerbil racing i can tell you that if there's no books on gerbil racing or whatever i'm not talking raising i'm talking racing you know like running around a track right so 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 if there's no books on gerbil racing if there aren't any then I would probably say that there's really not much of a market. The thing I always tell folks that when they talk about starting this or that business, I'm like, okay, if there's nobody around doing it, there might be a good reason for it. It might not be any, I'm not saying it wouldn't hundred percent, but I'm just saying there's a good chance that if there's not a, especially with the internet, everything's been exploited already, you know, pretty much, but right. it's, you know, there's no new thing under the sun really. But, but if there's no, if there's no market there, if there's nobody buying anything on that, chances are it's going to be a very slim market. You, you really want to look for something that's been tried and true and at least has some success rate. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a gray area. You see a lot of these in, inventors. I mean, they normally take one idea that's already been made or created, and then they just make it better or build from there, right. you know, make it a different concept. Yep. Um, when it comes to what you had just you know, talked about, is maybe that market just hasn't been reached yet, and that's not always a bad thing. I mean, it depends. Like I said, there, that is a gray area. Uh, you, you, if you're the first one to get in that market and it become and you create that niche, then you can control that niche, if that makes sense. Right, right, um, right. I see. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily think it's always a bad thing if that area hasn't been touched yet. Maybe you're the first one who could and it goes big and it goes viral and you're one of the first ones out there with all this content or these solutions and and you start making bank off of it now right. that's like i said you got to do your research but you got to find out why that area hasn't been touched or marketed yes but at the same time i wouldn't be afraid to test it yeah right so so like i shouldn't really try to do the gerbil thing then 
mean, it, it, well, to each his own, you know. I guess I, mean, I guess people were, thing, but, but you laugh at that. But then again, you got uh, one of the biggest events that goes on during the Super Bowl is a thing called the Puppy Bowl, and people yeah, actually yeah. bet on that thing. From what I understand, yep. it was actually a question on Jeopardy about the Puppy Bowl yesterday. That's why I started thinking about that. But so I guess it's you know, you know, you're really. But there, on the other hand, you like you just said. On uh, the other hand, you've got the other end of the spectrum. You know, anything goes now. I mean, things that you never oh, thought yeah. would catch on are catching on like crazy. Yeah, with the internet, I mean, the 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 potential is unlimited. Um, it's, well, I mean, we could go on for hours speaking on the things you can do on the internet to make money. It's just today you have to be willing to try, and the passion of what you're doing. And I know me and you had spoke before this podcast. And before, you know, when our conversation wasn't recorded or anything, and we right. weren't capturing that moment, yeah. I had spoke about if you're expecting something in business, say I open up and I'm going to reflect on my old store, um, what I was doing before this business, it was tactical based. You know, I was selling uh, tactical gear, law enforcement, military stuff, and I opened up that business for one to, to, yeah, to provide a solution to law enforcement and everything. But my business mindset was more money. I wanted to make the money and that's not a bad thing. Right. But at the same time, I expected sales. Right. And I think that when you expect something and it doesn't happen, then guess what? You're not satisfied. You start getting depressed. You start giving up and you don't stick with it. And then you just, it, it makes your whole thinking about business, you know, you got to be realistic about it, yes. But if you're expecting sales and nothing happens, then you're dissatisfied, and then you're guess what? You give up. So then, any other business that you do afterwards, you start giving up. You know, within a week or two or whatever length you give it, because your your expectation of money is more important. So that's why I always say, make sure it's something you're passionate about and you love doing. Because don't expect the money; just do it for the passion of it. You know, do it right. because you want to do it. When when you start doing that and you start rethinking about the concept of business, everything comes to light. Everything starts aligning themselves. And then those who support you and what you're doing, th- then eventually they'll just start throwing you money to keep you there. You right. know, if right. th- they understand you have to be supported in monetary value to, to be able to put food on the table. So guess what? If they love you enough, they're going to want to want you to stick around and whatever solutions you're giving them, they're going to still they're going to want that. So they're going to start buying your T-shirts, your apparel, your your books, or whatever the case may be. Right. So so yeah, you hear that a lot. People say you got to really love what you do, but you know there is another aspect. Uh, you do have certain aspects of the business that you're going to have to have done. Either that, or you're going to have to pay to have them farmed out. For example, if you start the kind of business that you have, using selling tactical gear. At some point in time, somebody's going to have to do some accounting, you know. <laughs> and if oh, you don't have a family member that's going to do that, that's a lot of, you know, that's a drudgery. I mean, to me, I, I would hate to do any of the accounting end of things. And so, you know, certain things I guess you'd have to just kind of have farmed out because there are certain aspects of every business that, that are, that, that are a, a certain amount of drudgery, not actual active doing it. For example, I like to write. But then it would, if I had to deal with the accounting end of things rather than doing the writing or whatever else I'm doing, it would just drive me crazy, you know. So I guess, it, yeah. but but there's always that, there's always something about your job or your business that is going to be like, oh, I don't want to really do that part. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, that in those areas, 
they're vital. They have to be there. So if you love doing what you're doing, such as you, you, you love writing, but when it comes to the accounting part, then you're like, ah, you know, you kind of hesitate. That is a vital part because that keeps you going in your business. So it's either learn to love it, I guess, or try to delegate that to someone else who's willing to provide for your mission or who supports your mission. You know, all the blogs on my website, and I'm going to reflect on this for a second. You know, you've helped me out tremendously because you come on and you guest blog. And, you know, the writing part, I don't always have time to do those. Right. So that's where you come into play. And I think that's vital for any business is don't try to do everything all yourself. Um, just don't try to do everything yourself because it's not going to happen. These, you know, Walmart, it doesn't, it's not a one man army. It doesn't reflect on one person. They have, now they've upscaled. You know, if you're such a small business, you can't afford 15 people to do 15 different things or 30 different things. No, but I'm saying, you know, find those who support you and who are willing to jump on your team and help you. And then as you grow, then that's when the, the revenue starts coming in you, and then you can just upscale correctly that way. But finding people who have similar like mindsets and who just plainly support your mission, that's what's key. And I think we had uh, an article that you had written. Uh, it was released, what, just a couple of days ago about how to right. build your dream team. Right. And that, that went in depth pretty well about, you know, finding those who support you. Yeah. Actually, I was a little – it was tough to write that one because it was a little negative because it was talking about – a lot of it was taught, and I, I could see how somebody could look at us and go, oh, wow, man, these guys are like elitist or something. But it's kind of a little bit on the negative side, which was hard to write because you're talking <laughs> about, you know, you get people that just, they just, you know, I, we don't want to go off on this subject too much, but you, about folks who just kind of get in your way during the day when you're trying to get things done and you can't, you know, uh, and this happens, and then, or, or hanging around the wrong crowd and you don't even realize it sometimes. You right. don't realize, yep. and what, and, and all the ramifications that go along with that. Well, let me, uh, let's just redirect us for one second here. So, um, so if you had any parting thoughts about actually starting and figuring out where you're going to be at when you start at the very beginning, what other, what other juicy tidbit could you give somebody? Cause you've had several businesses. You had the candle business and this tactical gear business. What, what, what advice would you give somebody right at the very beginning? What last piece of advice would you have? Uh, you know, I would say take on full responsibility of everything you do, every action, um, and, you know, the, Tony Robbins speaks on this phrase, um, for every event, there's a response and then there's an outcome. Every outcome that you're going to face, make sure you do it the correct way and think before you just suddenly suddenly act on something. So, And, and what I mean by that is, <laughs> and it all reflects on make sure you're doing something that you're passionate about. Um, building the right connections um, and being around those who you can network with, basically a success network. Network with the right people and learn from your mistakes. Oh, you know, there's another good thing, too, that you just brought up. I, I think I want to include this. I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump in because you should have the last parting shot, but I was going to say that, you know, if you can find a mentor that's done something. I know when I was copy, learning copywriting, uh, I had a really good mentor. Man, that helped out a ton, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that that takes it back to, you know, we all learn from other people. Whether or not you're in high school or college, you always learn from someone else. So mentors, I mean, they're 
highly valuable um, if you can find one. Yeah, I mean that, especially one-on-one type. That's the best because you get that extra time to learn exactly what they've done, learn from their failures, <laughs> take the shortcut, and not not do exactly what they've done when they failed, but weed out the the overall failures as much as you can. You're going to have them, and that's just part of life. So if you'd accept that and not, like I said, reflect back on don't expect sales to come in directly if you're in a business and don't expect 100% happiness on everything you do if you cannot basically, trying to put it in better terms, but basically don't expect everything to come at you positive. You're going to have haters. You're going to have, you know, trying times in business. You're going to have trying times in your life. If you can push through that, then that's, that's the ultimate, um, that's probably the number one thing I can say is just take life for what it's worth. Learn from lessons and take them and, and transition them into something more positive. Yep. Well, this has been great. I mean, this was actually our very first podcast, wasn't it? Oh yeah. That's a wrap. So it's basically the podcast on this one was going to be about, you know, just, just finding your niche and getting your first initial mindset. And then as we go through our podcast, we're going to be going through different aspects of starting a business. Uh, the next one will probably be on the actual sales funnel where we started the last time. And uh, so this has been Mark Ellis and Chris Jackson or Warrior Wealth Solutions. You got anything, last things you want to say before we sign off on this one? Uh, just... Make sure you uh, like, subscribe to the website, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, it's all right there on warriorwellsolutions.com, and we'll see you guys next time. All righty. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's been a good one. Thanks.